I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. Hey there, friends. You are in for a treat with today's guest. I have known who she was for many, many years, but had the privilege of meeting her and even getting to work with her about 12 years ago when I released my very first book, Praying for Boys. Karen Eman was part of the marketing team for that book, along with Lisa Turkhurst, and they both taught me so much about getting a book into the hands of the people who need it. After that, Karen became my friend. She has mentored me and spoken life into me as a writer, and I could not be more excited to have her on the show today. Karen is a Proverbs 31 ministry speaker and a New York Times bestselling author. Described as profoundly practical, engagingly funny, and downright real, her passion is to help women live their priorities and love their lives as they serve God and others. Karen writes for Encouragement for Today, an online devotional that reaches over 4 million women daily. She also contributes to the First Five Teaching Team, an app designed to help you spend the first five minutes of every day reading the Bible. She has authored 17 books and Bible studies and is married to her college sweetheart, Todd, and they make their home in a small town in the middle of the mitten, Michigan, America's high five. They are the parents of five adult children, three biological and two in-laws by marriage, although she often forgets which are which. Well, Karen, welcome to the show. I am so excited to reconnect with you. I feel like it's been too long. And I cannot wait to hear the wisdom that you're going to share with us today. For those who might not know who you are, give us just a second and tell us how they can know you. Who are you? What is it that God's called you to do? How are you serving the kingdom? Well, thanks so much for having me, Brooke. We go way back and it's fun to, (laughs) it's fun to connect again. I love this so much. Well, I am a wife and a mom and a grandma. I live in the middle of Michigan married to my college sweetheart, and we have three adult children. Our oldest, Kenna, lives in North Carolina. She owns her own salon, and she is married to her high school sweetheart's brother. That's been interesting. Oh, that's fun. (laughs) Our second child is a son, Mitchell. He runs a little hobby farm in Tennessee. He's married to a girl he met on my Instagram, and they got married like, I think it was less than a year, a little over a year from when they first met in person. And they have our first grandchild, baby Jasper. And then our youngest son, Spencer, he lives in Denver. He is training to be an MMA fighter and works for Amazon. And he is engaged to a lovely woman named Marianne. And they're getting married in two weeks. So I'm super excited about that. And I speak and write for Proverbs 31 Ministries. My deepest desire is to help women to live out the gospel to the watching world. 
And I write Bible studies and books. I do speaking. I have hobbies. I like to herb garden, go antique hunting and cheer for the Detroit Tigers. So how's that? Oh, <laughs> how'd I do? Okay. Well, I mean, that's good. That's all great. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yes. And I knew because of your story, when I was looking for someone to share with us on the topic today, you were really the first person that I thought of. I thought, who, who do I know that has kids that are grown that can share some wisdom with us on this particular season where moms and dads really have to start to learn to take a step back and let their kids lead a little bit more. So let me tell you a story of how this even came to me. I think everyone knows at this point that we have just launched our first child. Um, He just graduated at this past end of the school year. And not only did he graduate, he took off to a whole different state and moved like A week after graduation, he was gone. You know, I feel like I had just gotten my mind and heart wrapped around the fact that he was graduating and then he took off and left me totally. And, and he'll be back, which is great, but it's a difficult, interesting season. But a couple years ago, when he was in between the ninth and 10th grade year, this was when he experienced the COVID year and the year of his, I guess it was his sophomore year, our school systems went back to school on a weird pattern. The kids were off of school on Fridays and so that they could have a cleaning day at the at the schools. And my dad, who lives just up the street, it was a mechanical engineer by trade. And he has like all this heavy equipment in his basement, mills, lathes. Like when I was growing up, if we needed something repaired on the car or whatever, dad did it. He did everything. He was a, an engineer at our local plant, but he also was just Mr. Fix-It. He did everything in the basement. He could make anything machining wise that you needed. And so he decided together with my cousin, who is a machinist, that they wanted to put together a machine shop class for my son on Fridays when he was off of school. And so every Friday they put together like this whole curriculum for him. He walked up to my mom and dad's house and spent hours in the basement with my dad learning how to make things on this heavy equipment. And he fell in love with it, just really enjoyed it. And so he came to us toward the end of his sophomore year and said, I think I want to go to the vocational center for my junior and senior year. And I want to do machine technology. Now, when he said machine technology, for some strange reason, maybe because my dad was an engineer, I heard the word engineering. And so I was like, okay, we can do that. That'd be awesome. Go, let's do it. I'm all about that. The school offered two different ways to get into an engineering like four-year college or program after that, you could take the machine technology route, which is really machining like with the heavy equipment, or you could take a pre-engineering course, which was more computer-based. And so when he came to me and said, I want to go to vocational school, for whatever reason, I heard the word engineering. So I just assumed that he was going to want to do the pre-engineering. Well, we get to the school for an orientation and, you know, we're looking around and they're showing us the different programs. And he says, no, I don't want to do computers all the time. I want to do hands-on stuff. And it was not what I had envisioned for him. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And he did end up doing that and loved it. But it was not what I had stuck in my head for him. And I struggled with that some. I thought for a while that he was making the wrong decision. And 
I had to take a step back along with my husband who was saying, Brooke, take a step back and, <laughs> and, and let him lead on that because it was time for his interests to be more important than what my interests were for him. And that was a hard thing for me to do. I did it, but it was a hard thing to do. So the first question with all that in mind, the first question that I want to ask you is, why do you think it's important for us as moms to begin letting our children lead and make decisions of their own, even if they don't make the decisions that we wanted for them? Why is that so important? Well, it's important, but it's also so hard. It is. Because you kind of feel like your kids are going to be little carbon copies of you and they're going to think and act and respond and behave <laughs> and talk in the way that you would if you were in that situation. And when they don't, it's really weird. It's almost like you feel like they're doing something wrong. But we really need to remember that our kids aren't just direct carbon copies of us. Yes, we put our imprint on them. We help mold and shape them, but they're going to be something completely different than what we are. And I think why it's important to let them learn to make decisions of their own is, well, first of all, it teaches them responsibility. You know, we don't want to be going around making every decision for them, filling out all their paperwork, telling them what to do, where to go, how to think, because it really prevents them from taking responsibility themselves and doing those things themselves. Even if they don't do them perfectly, we need to let them lead in their own life, lead their their own selves and make those responsibilities become theirs. They need to own them. I also think it frees them up to explore different skills that they might have or passions or desires that they might have that we never thought about for them. It can open up a whole new world for them. And when you let them lead, you let them explore, you let them try some things let them fail at some things, it can help them to sense God's direction in their life rather than us just telling them our direction that we want in their life, you know, where we want them to go. It can really help them to explore where God wants them to go. And I think the most important thing is that it will prevent them from becoming almost paralyzed in making decisions. When we just make every decision for them, or we tell them what decision to make, it, it really kind of paralyzes our kids. And I, you know, my kids are all grown and out of the house. So they're in their twenties and one just is over 30. But I look at some of their peers who are paralyzed when it comes to making decisions. They can't, they don't know how, and they still have at least one, sometimes in some of the cases, two parents in their life that are just micromanaging them and making all the decisions for them. And it's really sad because they've never been able to become who God meant them to be because they're too busy playing out this role that their parents wanted them to be. And um, it really does kind of paralyze them in a way, but it's not easy. It's hard, especially because you know they're not going to make all the right decisions because guess what? Hello, none of us made all the right decisions either when no. we were their age. You know, so you gotta gotta peel your hands off that control wheel of their life and let them take over steering and still be there to encourage them, to cheer them on, to give your input when you're asked, not unsolicited. That's the hardest for me. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I love to make suggestions in my kids' lives and I've had to learn to just bite my tongue until they ask my opinion. But I feel like it will position them best to grow up to be someone who is emotionally and spiritually healthy and who has good decision-making skills, who can lead themselves and lead others because they were allowed to safely practice it when they were under our care 
and now they become skilled at it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think, you know, from a prayer standpoint, just thinking about how much I have prayed for my children to step into the callings that God has for them, for my children to be everything that God wants them to be for them. You know, I have two boys, so I've asked the Lord hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times over the years for God to make them and shape them into the men that he wants them to be. And so we've prayed these things for our children, that God would be doing these things for all these years. And then to resist allowing them to step into it when God does begin to show them the right path, it doesn't fit the scenario. It, it's like if you're going to pray that God is going to do these things in your child's life, you have to be able to be ready to let him do those things when it's the right time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good yeah. way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So what in your experience, so I shared that this began happening for our family when my son was around 16 years old in your family when did you begin to see that need start? Because I think it was earlier for me than I had planned on it being. Well, in one sense, it starts even way earlier than that, in my opinion. It starts when they're three or four and you let them make decisions about things that really don't matter, mm-hmm. but you give them the choice you know, to decide, not that you you know, go around all day long, do you want the red cup or the green cup? But yeah, <laughs> let, them, let them decide what they're going to wear that day. Now, I would do that with my kids if we weren't leaving the house or if we were just maybe going to the grocery store, let them, you know, help with the chores around the house. Not that it's exactly the same thing, but sometimes I feel like teaching them to work and to have responsibility helps them in their decision making, too. So, you know, maybe you say you and your brother need to clean the toy room. Now, I want the two of you to sit down and figure out what needs to be cleaned and what order you're going to do it. You know, give them little tasks like that that help them kind of exercise that muscle of decision-making. But I think for us, it came in a greater sense of what you're talking about. It came probably when they were in late middle school or early high school, when we would let them have some say in some decision-making, like maybe on where we were going to go as a family for vacation. And they Mm -hmm. could plan it out. They could, you know, figure out how far it was from this campsite to that campsite, whatever. Or they were going to have a birthday party. And instead of me just doing everything for the birthday party, which I love to do, I love to throw a good party. You know, I would let my daughter decide, you know, what was going to be for the meal, what, you know, was going to be the activities, little things like that, that slowly help them then when they get in later high school to decide, yeah, what am I going to do with my life? Am I going to go to college? And if that's the case, don't do everything for them. There's a lot of paperwork that has to be done when it comes to college. Make them take ownership and do some of it too. But I think slowly letting them make decisions about small things and then medium things, it helps them to gain confidence that I can make a decision and it can turn out okay. And I can take the lead here and I can do some tasks and have some responsibilities. And it helps to exercise that muscle so that when those bigger things happen, you can Trust them that you've modeled for them, not only the logistics of how to make a decision, but how to bring God into that and, you know, to be praying about it, not in a preachy way, like now, have you prayed about what college you're going to go to? Because, you know, sometimes I think we wrongly give our kids the impression that there's only one right answer, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to their future. None of my kids finished college. All of them are successful and have great, you know, lives and are earning plenty of money. 
only one, uh, well, two went to community college for a little bit. And then what they wanted to do in life didn't need a college degree. And so they kind of diverted and changed courses. But uh, just seeing them, you know, find that direction on their own has been good. And, and I don't want us to give the wrong impression that there's only one right answer. You know, if your child applies to three different colleges, they all accept them. They all have the program they want to go into. You know, I think God gives us the freedom to choose one of those three. It's not like if you go to this one, college number one behind door number one, and God really wanted you to go to three, you've completely learned and derailed your life. You know, mm-hmm. God can be in all of those and he gives us the, the free will to decide on our own. So model for them, going to God about it and bringing God into the decisions and also model for them when you need to change course and you need to just, you know, be honest and say, you know, that decision probably wasn't the best one. Maybe I need to do something else. We did that with our daughter. Our oldest daughter is an award-winning stylist in Charlotte, North Carolina. She's won like salon of the year and a 30 under 30 award for the city, all these wonderful things. And that's not what she planned to do in life. She didn't plan to cut hair and open her own studio, her own salon. She was going to go to college and major in drama. She wanted to start a drama program in an inner city doing after-school programs for needy children. That's what she wanted to do. But her senior year of high school, my husband got laid off from work and we had to eat into the college fund. And all of a sudden we couldn't afford to send her to that out-of-state four-year institution. We said she was going to have to go to the local community college. Well, she decided instead to move in with one of my friends in Charlotte, go to cosmetology school, completely plan B was not her plan A, but she found out she absolutely loved it. She thought, oh, I'll get a cosmetology degree, cut hair to put myself through a four-year school. Well, she loved it so much. She she never stopped. (laughs) Her entire degree cost her $6,000. And now she's very successful. She's very happy. She does charity work with women who've been rescued from sex trafficking, teaching them how to do their hair and makeup. I mean, she really found her niche and her ministry and her vocation in life. And it was not plan A. All those decisions she made for plan A didn't pan out. So she had to switch gears and make different decisions. And I think it's really important to, to model that for them too, that not to wrongly give the impression that if you just really learn to be a good decision maker, you're always going to make the right decisions and you're never going to have to change course because that's not the truth. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we have to give our children permission to struggle and permission to fail a little bit too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that there's really any failure that God can't use. So I don't know that failure is a word that I love to say, but maybe struggle. I think our children need to struggle. It's, It's how they learn. It's how they grow. It's how they mature. That's just, you know, I think we want for them not to have to do that. But if we look back at our own lives, it's not the seasons of ease that Mm. brought me the greatest growth. It's not. It was the seasons of struggle in my own life that brought me the greatest growth. And and I have to admit that. And even though I would like to protect my children from having to struggle as much as possible, if I do that, if I don't let them go get their sea legs, so to speak, and struggle a little bit, and even maybe not make the right choices, knowing and believing that God can use even that, I'm kind of hindering their growth. Mm-hmm. In a sense. Yes. Yes, you're right. Today's show is brought to you by our newest prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Child to Find Their Purpose. It's written by my friend Brittany Ann of Equipping Godly Women, who has written several books and Bible studies that help believers know and more clearly understand biblical guidelines for everyday life. 
Inside this prayer guide, Brittany helps us tackle the question, what do you want to be when you grow up from a slightly more biblical perspective? The way our children answer this common question varies wildly from day to day, from teacher to firefighter to astronaut to juggler to moonwalker. We just never know what they're going to say. For young children, this question is full of promise and excitement. They can be anything they want. The sky is the limit, and it's really fun to let them dream. But as our children get older, this question takes on new meaning. The excitement of endless possibilities gradually gives way to the pressure of choosing just the right college, the right career, the right job, the right location, and even the right relationship for a lifetime. What do you want to be when you grow up becomes stressful, almost agonizing as young adults wrestle with major decisions that will affect the rest of their lives. But what if finding out their purpose didn't have to be so stressful? What if our children could know with confidence exactly what God wants them to do? In praying God's word for your child to find their purpose, you'll pray for God to work in your children's hearts to draw near to God in sincere faith, to be guided by the Holy Spirit to learn how to love sacrificially and with intention, to learn to walk in God's strength instead of their own. You'll pray for them to find rest in God alone and understand God's bigger plan. You'll pray for them to submit their plans to God's plans and so much more. With biblical teaching, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is just perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. Download your copy of Praying God's Word for Your Child to Find Their Purpose now when you visit today's show notes at millionpraymoms.com. What are some tips that you would give for moms who might be in this season who need to learn to take a step back when everything in them is saying, no, no, no. How do they forcibly make themselves take a step back and let go of maybe what they wanted for their children so that their children can have space to pursue, you know, the calling that God has for them? Yeah, I think two things really. I think the first one that I had to learn to do is to, to let them take the lead and Instead of you trying to to pull them your way, you instead need to let them take the lead and enter their world, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like. And from an early age, I'll use my youngest son as an example. It happens even at an early age. I remember when he was four years old, he was obsessed with sea turtles, Tur- any kind of turtle, but especially sea turtles. Well, I could give two hoots about sea turtles. I don't know. But he was always wanting to check out books at the library on sea turtles and try to find shows you know, on television that were documentaries about sea, everything was sea turtles. And it used to just, you know, kind of almost be comical at our house. You know, you couldn't take a bath unless he had his plastic sea turtles with him. But I really felt like the Lord was tapping me on the heart going, you know what? Enter his world. Here's a place where he's exploring and, and developing a passion for something you don't give two hoots about, as my mom used to say. Isn't that funny when you open your mouth and your mom comes out? I never That's say give two hoots. To for some reason, I said give yes. two hoots today. But I, I didn't care at all about sea turtles. But it was a, uh-huh. a time where I had to step back, let him lead, and enter his world. And as that child's grown older, there have been other things that he's become interested in that I did not care about at all. But I've had to learn to, to step back, let him lead, and enter his world. And now it's the whole world of training at an MMA gym. I don't care for MMA fighting. Um, he's more interested in it for getting in shape, I think, but he has had a couple boxing matches, but it's not a world that I wanted to enter at all. And he 
I could see was a little sad about that, that I didn't care about boxing or kickboxing Mm -hmm. or taekwondo, any of that stuff. And he actually entered a Golden Gloves boxing match as an amateur. And I had to learn to enter his world and to um, cheer him on and go to the the match. And it was it was actually lovely. It was very wholesome. They had um, a woman come up and pray at the beginning. It uh, kind of oh, wow. the middle of it. They had a, a boxer that had been very successful and had won a lot of matches and a, a certain belt. I think they win. He came and talked about how that Golden Gloves organization there in Detroit, Michigan, had gotten him off the streets and introduced him to Christ, and he gave his whole testimony. I'm like, well, this stuff's not so bad. It's, it's not so yeah, bad. Yeah, you're like, I loved well, it. okay, I'm yeah. changing my opinion here. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think enter the world is the first thing. Um, that's a way to let them lead and pursue their dreams and maybe let them go in a direction that wasn't your dream for them. And then I think the other one, and this is so hard, like some people are not going to like what I'm going to say right now because they're like, I don't, that doesn't sound good. I don't, that sounds scary. I don't want to do it. It's so hard, but I've lived through it. I'm still standing. My kids are all fine, (laughs) but it's to learn to look for the good qualities about your kids in the midst of their bad decisions, to still look for those Mm. good qualities in the midst of their bad decisions and, and gently redirect them. And I'll give you an example. When our youngest son was in the ninth grade, I went down to the high school to drop off something. I feel like it was a permission slip or something. And I walked into the office and he was sitting in the office and I looked at him and I said, Oh, how did you know I was coming to drop this off? I was just going to have them run it down to your homeroom. You're going to kill me. You're going to be so mad. And about that time, the, the principal, vice principal's door opened. He stepped out and said, oh, Mrs. Eamon, you're here. We were just about to call you. How did you know to come down? And I said, I'm dropping off permission slip. What's going on? Well, to make a very <laughs> long story short, he informed me that my child was helping to run an illegal tobacco chewing ring in the school. <laughs> All the baseball players thought it was really cool to chew chewing tobacco. I bet they did. My son thought it was so cool that he used to put a round tin from mints in his back pocket just so kids would think he had chewing tobacco. But he didn't like it. I know kids yeah. like that. Yeah. He yes. didn't want to do it. But anyway, he was a ninth grader and there was a senior who was buying chewing tobacco because he was 18 and could buy it in the state of Michigan. And he was passing it down to my son. My son wasn't consuming it. He was just passing it to the underage ninth and 10th graders and getting a kickback of a dollar per tin for every tin that he delivered. He delivered them in the locker room because there's no cameras in the locker room. There's cameras all over the school besides the locker room, but he had gotten busted. Somebody had ratted him out. And so he was sitting there in the principal's office and never been in trouble before, was known as a kid who always said, yes, sir, and no, ma'am, very respectful. They used to think we were a military family because we always taught our kids to to be respectful like that. And the principal said, you know, Mrs. Eamon, I am so sorry. He's going to be suspended for seven days. And technically, I could call the police. And I looked at that vice principal. I can't believe, Brooke, that these words came out of my mouth. And I said, sir, please do. Please do. So the officer comes down to the school. I look at the officer. It's a man who, as a teenager, had been in our youth group when my husband was telling him, you know, leading him, talking about Jesus. And I'm like, now he's a cop. He's busting my son. He had to do community service. He had to go before a judge, all of this stuff. 
suspended from school, couldn't play football. It was just a big deal. Like it was mm-hmm. a big, big deal. And I was lamenting to it to one of my friends. And she said, Karen, I know this is hard. I know this hurts. I know you're disappointed, but everything in that child that is good is still there. Mm-hmm. Look for the good. Look for the good. So I looked for the good and I realized something. First of all, my son's an excellent entrepreneur, still <laughs> is, can broker a business deal. I love it. <laughs> knows his place in the company. And actually, and I'm going to cry when I say this, but that senior was a kid who was in a very, very bad situation, was from a very economically depressed home. His father beat him almost daily. And my son saw this as a way to help that kid make money, as a way to help that kid be successful. And, you know, I look at my son now and I think those qualities are still there. He still cares about people. I mean, he's the kid that he'll see some little old lady in the grocery store put back a couple groceries because she doesn't have enough money in her wallet. And he'll go, oh, man, I got it. And he'll pay. Yes. I mean, he's just, he loves people. He loves to help the underdog. He loves to root for the downcast and include the marginalized. He's excellent with business. He's excellent with money. He's a good manager. He's a good team player. All of those things were true about him in the illegal tobacco ring. So I needed to learn to extrapolate the good, see those good qualities in the midst of a bad decision. And I praised him for all of that. My husband and I sat down. We said, you know, we think it's amazing that you care about that kid. And we really admire your wheeling and dealing skills. But honey, you need to do like a lemonade stand or something that's not illegal. Yeah. You can't be doing this with chewing <laughs> there tobacco. Are, yes, you there know? are other ways. <laughs> yes. But in his defense, the principal said, you know, that he was the most polite kid he'd ever had to suspend. And he didn't lie. Like when he was confronted, he could have lied because there was no proof on tape. When the, he said, have you been passing tins of chewing tobacco to underage students in the locker room, he said, yes, sir, I have. He could have lied and they would have just watched him carefully the rest of the year and he could have gotten out of mm-hmm. it. But he told the truth. So we praised him for that. He owned mm-hmm. up to it. And and I think as hard as it is, we've got to quit just looking at the bad decision and pick out the things along the way that were good that led to that bad decision, praise them for that, mm-hmm. but kind of help gently redirect them. Yes, because God can use those things for good when their brains are fully developed and they can think straight and God can use those. You see those seeds of goodness Mm -hmm. of who God made him to be that he can use later. I love that. One of our sons has gotten in trouble at school a couple times over the years. He hasn't really gotten in a fight, but it's been like leading up to a fight. But every time that he's done that, it's been because he was trying to protect or stand up for somebody else. And so I'm like, I'm not going to punish him for that. You can do what you need to do, but I'm not going to punish him for being the kind of man that I told him to be. You know, I understand that there's rules that, you know, the school has to enforce and I totally support that. But just know that whatever you do at the school, that's all there's going to be. I mean, we're going to hold him accountable, but not going to punish him for trying to take up for somebody. So I love that story. That is so good and so wise to look for the good in your children and praise them for that, even if the decision was the wrong one. That's brilliant. I love it. And another, another thing that I learned then a different friend said to me is she said, Karen, you need to remember this, that you are seeing the beginning of their testimony. This is not the end. And then I thought about all the people I knew, you know, 
in their 30s and 40s and beyond who had wild starts to their testimonies who, you know, include in their their story of how they came to Christ a bad decision that they made. And I thought that's such a great perspective to mm-hmm. remember you're seeing the beginning of their testimony. This is not the end. So beautiful. I love that. I love that. We have to let God do the work, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Okay, Karen, thank you so much for being with us today. This has been helpful to me. It's been a great reorientation of my perspective as well as a mom who has one that has just launched. And I know it's going to help so many people. As we wrap up, tell everyone where they can get involved with the work that you're doing for the kingdom. How can they find you if they want to learn more? Sure. The best way would probably be to go to my website, which is kareneman.com and Eman is E-H-M-A-N. And there you can see like all the links to my social media and my blog. Um, there's books there if they're interested in any books. And I also have a lot of free stuff, a lot of freebie things, five-day challenges, free PDFs about uh, different things about family life, marriage, parenting, and prayer, different things like that. And I think they would find some helpful resources. Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for being with us again, Karen. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me today, friends. I sincerely loved catching up with Karen. She truly is one of my favorite people, and I highly value her wisdom. If you haven't already, pick up your copy of our prayer guide to accompany this season, Praying God's Word for Your Child to Find Their Purpose. You can find it along with the links to learn more about Karen and her resources in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. And make plans to join me next week as we talk about helping our children discern their calling. I really just can't wait to share that episode with you. Till next time, though, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Do you wish you could have a short, sweet, simple something to pray for your kids this summer that sincerely asks God to move in their hearts, is easy to use, and maybe even encourages your heart too? Sign up for a summer of prayer with Million Praying Moms. Each morning this summer, you'll receive a simple, scripture-inspired prayer for your child in your email inbox, just one a day. We'll work our way through the book of Romans, asking God to do things like turn their hearts toward Him, follow Him, trust Him, put their faith in Him, stand up for Him, and be obedient to Him. Get signed up right now in today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.